all week. And if you know me, you know that's really not who I am. <laughs> At least when I'm in front of people. Um, but God has just been so near. Um, yeah, if you want to this morning, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I know we're in a, in a, um, in a series on Daniel, and I'm going to depart from Daniel for a week at least here, and we'll come back to Daniel. But I realized while I was gone this week that I've been sharing for the last year things that I haven't completely shared with my own church. Uh, There are things uh, that I want to share with you this morning that you've heard, but I I haven't put it together for you guys, and I've been putting it together for other people at other places, so I I want to tie some things together for you. So you're going to hear some things that I've said before, but I want to hopefully construct this for you in a a new way um, that makes a bit more sense. and really, it's telling the story of what's happening here this morning. And um, it's no accident that I want to share this message with you on the Sunday that we have a book signing. You know, uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is I want to talk about living out your creative call before God, if that's okay. Is that all right? All right, we're going to look at a few verses in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to try to blow some dust off of them and... Um, See if God wouldn't come and breathe His life onto us. Before we do that, I know we've prayed a lot, but I feel like we need to pray again. <clears throat> Man, Father, just uh, we welcome You into the room right now. Uh, God, we welcome You to come and breathe the breath of life over this community right now. Father, we, we welcome You to come and breathe Your Spirit on us like You did creational waters. Father, we welcome You to come and breathe Your Spirit on us like You did the man Adam. God, we, we welcome You to come and raise us to life. Father, we say to You even now, God, we are just little, we are inanimate clay unless You breathe upon us. And God, we desire that You would breathe upon us. We welcome You, God. We yield our heart. We yield our heart right now. We yield our heart to Your Word. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I want to read a few verses to you. This is, uh, this is the end of the creation account, and this is when God made man and He made woman, and this is what it says. It says, and then God said, pause for a drink, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. And in the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Um, This passage is really the key. Um, It's one of the keys to all of life, actually. A couple verses, it's uh, become increasingly important to me. And um, there's just a couple verses here that are completely packed with uh, the key to life and the key to being um, to being a fulfilled person are on these two on these two verses. Um, the key to being able to live with joy is in these couple of verses, and I want to talk about that this morning. Um, it's very interesting these couple of verses um, because they they contain so much for us. And I really want to share with you this morning about living out our creative call before God. And before we uh, really get into that, I probably need to jump one hoop here already. Because some of you, when I say living out your creative call before God, some of you instantly unplugged. You, you, you've already unplugged. And the reason you unplugged is you've done the math 
and you've believed things that people told you and you've believed the adversary in your life. And the, and the lie that you've believed is that I, I am not a creative person. So before we get going, we, we have to capture this right now. You are a creative person. Every single person who, who is alive and is breathing is a creative person. Every person in the room right now is a creative person. There isn't a person who's not a creative person. There are only deceived people who believe they're not. But every person is creative. And the reason that we know that every person is creative is in these couple of verses. God says, let us make mankind in our image. So the Trinity comes together and says, let us make mankind in our image. And when God said, let us make mankind in our image, that word image there, it carries this idea. Uh, in ancient culture, a lot of times uh, a king, when he was extending his rule into new territories and new boundaries, uh, they would carve images of the king and they would set it out on the edges of the territory. And there would be this image that says, this is under this king's authority. This is under this king's ruler. So it's almost like this, um, this statue. And so when God made uh, men and women, he made, he made these statues who were uh, incredibly like him in, his, in every dimension, in every way. And not, we weren't just statues, but he breathed the breath of life into us and he made us more than a statue before God breathed the breath of life into Adam we were just little clay cakes laying on the ground we were little tiles laying on the ground inanimate beautiful but inanimate and then God came near and he breathed the breath of life into us and uh, I think it's very interesting that Genesis in chapter 2 tells us that God breathed the breath of life into Adam Um, it's interesting because not only because it brought Adam to life, but it's interesting because of the way that God chose to bring Adam to life. You realize that God can do anything any way that He wants to do it. And so when God does something in a particular way, He's speaking on a couple levels. He's, he's speaking towards what is actually happening, but the way in which He does something speaks to His nature. You see what I'm saying? See, here's what could have happened. We have a clay cake on the ground. It's Adam. And God could have taken a few steps back, maybe 30, 40 feet from Adam, And he could have done this. And if he had done that, Adam would have gotten right up off the ground. He absolutely would have. But he didn't. And instead, he chose to come near Adam. And he chose to come face to face and breathe the breath of life into Adam. And because he chose to breathe the breath of life into Adam, because he chose to come face to face, and because he chose to come near, it says something about who God is beyond the fact that he wanted Adam to get up. Okay? So one of the things it says is that is that our life with God is meant to be a face-to-face, intimate relationship. It isn't merely that I'm acting things out uh, in a world apart from God, but I'm acting things out along with God. And that's gonna, we're going to come back to that later because it's going to make more sense. So no one in the room can unplug this morning because everyone's creative. And not only that, but we've been, the reason that we're creative is because we've been made in the image of a creator. Uh, the most creative person in all the universe is God. And we've been, we've been fashioned in His image. We're not simply clay cakes who look like Him. We've received the breath of life. And for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, we've received the renewal breath that is beginning to renew us from the inside out. And so we carry His Spirit. And we've begun to have thoughts that are like God's thoughts. And we've begun to have desires that are like God's desires. And our thoughts that are like God's thoughts and our desires that are like God's desires are almost always creative. So everyone in here is creative. We've been, we've been made in His image. And I think it's really incredible here that God makes us in His image, which is to say that He's made us to be creative. And then, um, and then just in verse 28, God blesses Adam and Eve, and He blesses them with this blessing. The very first blessing in all of Scripture is this blessing. He says, 
Be fruitful and increase in number. So the first blessing in all of creation is the, is, is the command slash blessing to be creative. There's Adam and Eve. I want you to increase in number. In order to increase in number, we've got to go from two to three, right? If there's a three after a two, something got created. Who created it? Adam and Eve. So the blessing in life comes from being a creative person. You cannot enter into the blessing of God apart from entering into your creative destiny. And your creative destiny has to do with being a producer and not a consumer. The blessing on humanity is to be producers and not consumers. The most miserable people I know are consumers. The most miserable people I know are people who are addicted to consumption. It will, it will absolutely ruin your life. Um, the kingdom of heaven comes when we become producers. The kingdom of darkness gets advanced in a soul that is hungry for consumption. So God has blessed Adam and Eve, and He's blessed them to increase in number, to subdue the earth and fulfill it. Now, this is also what's very interesting in this passage to me, is that when God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number, He didn't tell them how to do it. God said, God gives Adam and Eve a command, and He gives them a command to do something. He connects it to the blessing in life, and He doesn't tell them how to do it. See, some of us are asking God questions that He will not answer. Come on. So how did they do it? They were led by desire. So how did they go from two to three? They went from two to three by being led by desire. Uh, it's really interesting in the Garden of Eden when God gives Adam and Eve the, the command, be fruitful and increase in number, He doesn't break out any charts and have a sex ed class. He doesn't look at Adam and Eve and say, well, now son and daughter, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like a puzzle. No, they were, they were led by desire. After spending most of my life in the church, uh, one of the things I've come to realize is that the church is probably the most repressed place on the planet. We've been taught not to follow the way of desire. In fact, what we've been taught more times than not is you can't trust your desires. They'll kill you. And here, what, I, what I've come to tell you this morning is, is if you don't live from a place of desires, you'll never live in joy and you'll never hit your life's calling. Can our desires lead us astray? Of course they can lead us astray. Of course. The devil has counterfeited everything that God has made. Are there bad desires? Of course there are bad desires. 
But should, should, should evil or wicked desires keep us from being the kind of people who run with kingdom desire to be producers and not consumers and seeing the kingdom of heaven come into the earth? See, here's the thing. And this is also very interesting. This is not just a game of, of, um, of self-help and hoping to be better people or at least less miserable. Um, this is actually not even optional. I know some people in the room might be thinking, well, this is, this is all optional stuff. Being a creative person... Being a producer and not a consumer is optional. It's actually not optional. I mean, it's optional in the sense that you don't have to do it. No one's going to put a gun to your head and say, produce or get out or we're pulling the trigger. It's not optional in that sense. But, but in terms of being able to live out your destiny, in terms of being able to live out your life calling, in terms of being a person who can just live with joy and purpose until you become the kind of person who's living from desire, it is absolutely not optional. There's a couple reasons why it's not optional. And one of the main reasons that this whole, this whole thing isn't optional is because this is how the kingdom comes into the earth. I want you to notice here that in two verses, in 26 and 28, twice God connects being fruitful, multiplying, being created, made in His image, being a creative person placed on the earth. Twice in these two verses, God connects this kind of concept with the concept of dominion and rule. So God says to men and women, He says, I want you to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock, the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. Is there anything that isn't contained on the earth in that description? The answer is no. People were made to rule the earth. And then again, in verse 28, God blesses them. Be fruitful, increase in number. Be led from desire is what he's saying. He says, be led from desire. Be a creative person so that you may fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the sky, and every living creature that moves along the ground. One of the main ways that the kingdom of heaven breaks into the earth is by people living out of a created desire. Being creative. If people aren't creative, the kingdom will not come. Why? Because because the kingdom of heaven is a creative kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is a consumption kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is a production, creative kingdom. It's a kingdom that's about new things. This is amazing to me. God was in heaven with the Son and the Spirit, living in perfect community, surrounded by angels and glory. And it wasn't enough. Perfect, perfect Perfect harmony. There, you know, there's, there's not one, one ounce of discord in heaven. Perfect harmony in heaven. So God lives in perfect harmony. He's got angels. Uh, everything is beautiful because nothing that isn't beautiful can be near God. And it wasn't enough. And so God begins to create things, new things that weren't in heaven because they were dreams in His heart because what was there wasn't enough. He wanted, he wanted to put on display something new. See, the kingdom comes... When new things happen. And this isn't optional. There's a few, thing, there's a few reasons why this isn't optional. Uh, the first reason we've just talked about. Because the kingdom, kingdom actually comes through, through creativity. Second reason why this isn't optional is, is an experience I had with the Lord about seven years ago. On my way to uh, a vineyard conference in Columbus, Ohio. I was driving in my car and like you... Um, I, I really wasn't doing anything. I, w- I wasn't even listening to music. My brain was completely off. I was sort of zoned out. And I don't, some of y'all have experiences like this. I was completely zoned out, not thinking about anything. And somewhere, somewhere 
a few miles into Ohio, the Holy Spirit came radically quickly into my car and he said to me, Adam, let the artists be found in the church or they'll be lost in the world. And the other reason that living from a creative place is essential, it's actually not optional, is, is because artists and creatives uh, have historically been in the church up to this point and now they're not. And one of the things that God has said to me and is, is saying to this house is let the artists and let the creatives be found in the church because if they're not, they'll be lost in the world. You know why the artists and creatives aren't in the church? Uh, it's really simple. The main reason that artists and creatives in the, aren't in the church is because we've told them, we don't need you. We've actually told... And by the way, no one ever says, we don't need you. That phrase was actually never said. But it's been communicated over and over again. We don't need you. Uh, how, do we, how do we communicate that? We communicate that as a church when uh, we only play top 40 CCM Christian radio. See, that's the danger in playing top 40 Christian radio only exclusively at your church. I have some people sometimes ask me, hey, why don't you guys ever do the, the songs I hear on K-Love? I'm like, well, the reason we don't is because if we do those, then no one will ever write songs here. And if, if they don't write songs here, we won't have creative culture, so we're not going to do those songs. There's nothing wrong with those songs. They're great. But one of the things that happens in the church and one of the reasons that the church has been so void of creativity is because we've told people over and over again, we don't need you. Um, we've told uh, scientists that we don't need you and, and it's no wonder that scientists hate God because we've told them we don't need them. We, the church, we've looked at them and said, we don't need you. We don't need your explanations. We've got the Bible. It's ridiculous. Now, we already know how everything was created. It was, it was six days. <laughs> Never mind the fact we got rocks that are 55 million years old. Oh, 6,000 years, buddy. We don't, we don't need you. Because of that, we have told... <laughs> I'm going to be controversial. <laughs> yeah. But it's the, reason, it's the reason we don't have scientists in church any longer. It's because we told them we don't need them. We grabbed the Bible and made it a book that it really isn't. Yeah. Um, we, we've told musicians, we don't need you. You know, we've got one lady, she plays the piano. We don't need you. That's always the, that's always the backsided message. We don't need anybody's new idea. We have, we have these things and we've always done it this way. <clears throat> So let the artists be found in the church or they'll be lost in the world. Um, and then um, the third reason that we, that we must lay hold of, of creative culture and our creative call is because, uh, really simply, we say that we worship the Creator. It's the biggest hypocrisy in the world to have a church uh, that's based upon the fact that, that we all agree that we worship the Creator and uh, that we have the least creative culture inside the church it's just like the most hypocritical thing ever church should be the most beautiful new radically diverse uh different uh expressive place on the planet like we want to release people to do new radically different diverse expressive i i, I don't care like here's i'm to this point i want to see you guys do new things even if it has no point 
See, some of us are laboring. Some of us, some of us are, are keeping ourselves out of our creative call because we're convinced that everything has to have a point. Some things don't need to have a point. Some things, the point of, some of the best art in some ways has no point. It's just that somebody got up and wanted to make something new and just give themselves to expression and beauty. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to have a point. Especially when it comes to creativity and the art world. Uh, one of the things that's hijacking the art world in the church is, is this idea that every piece of art that, that is produced has to get people saved. No, it doesn't. It's ridiculous. God saves people. He draws them. And so a lot of times what happens in the church is we elevate message above the medium that God has given us. And in doing so, we, we bastardize art and we miss the creative call because we think that everybody has to encounter a sermon through everything we produce. And at the end of it, it has to be an altar call. No, it doesn't. God created planets. No one got saved because of the planet. Why, why in the world is Pluto sitting out there? I've asked a lot of scientists this. Why is Pluto where it is? No one's ever been able to give me an answer. What is the philosophical point reason why Pluto is out there? There is no reason other than God wanted it to be there. He got up and he's like, you know what? I love Pluto. I want it. (laughs) See, there doesn't have to be a point. Pluto never saved anyone. See, I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to kill some of this stuff because until it gets killed, you won't be free to go and do your thing. That some of this stuff has to die. And the fourth reason um, that we have to embrace a culture of creativity and, and living out our creative call is because of the falling dominoes of progress. Something I like to call the falling dominoes of progress. Um, <laughs> Our vineyard and charismatic roots, um, which I love, you guys. I completely love. But our vineyard and charismatic roots have, in some ways, fixated some of, uh, some of us in the room um, in an extreme way upon the instantaneous. Uh, God healing people instantly. Uh, God saving people instantly. They hear one word. Uh, God doing this or that instantly. And, and uh, listen... I love that. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Uh, my life has been ever, forever changed by the instantaneous. Some of the things that I've seen God do instantaneously, like right here. I remember God doing amazing things instantaneously right here, um, have changed my life forever. But the God of the Bible is way more into process and progress than he is the instantaneous. Um, there, spring comes before summer, which comes before fall, which comes before winter. Uh, there is there is conception, and then there is gestation, and then there is delivery. The God of the Bible is He is so about process, and when we lose sight of process, we will oftentimes lose sight of our ability to step into our call and destiny, and actually even walk with God. We keep asking God to do instantaneously what He has He has set Himself to do over a process of time. 
And so if we, if we step out of a, create, a creative culture, if we step out of our uh, creative call, what we end up doing is we end up um, putting a stop to the falling dose of dominoes of progress and we keep the next new thing happening. See, here's what happens. Every new thing is the doorway to the next new thing. God is really into this. Every new thing is the doorway into the next new thing. Uh, four or five hundred years ago, people walked around everywhere. If you wanted to go somewhere, you just walked. If you were really rich, you had a horse. Um, and then some people had like horses, and then they'd put chariots behind it, and then the chariots got refined, and the chariots became horses and buggies, and then the buggies got refined, and some guy put a motor in it, and that became the Model T, and then the Model T became the 57 Chevy, and that's cool because it has wings, and then the 57 Chevy, the 57 Chevy became the Mercedes GLK. How many of you realize you never go from horses to the Mercedes GLK? That doesn't happen. Process never happens. Progress never happens like that. God is really into progress. He is really into process. And He's really into people embracing the creative and, and the creative call on their life because you represent the next new thing. If you don't do what you've been called to do, then Mike might not be able to do what he's been called to do. Your domino is called to fall on people. You're a domino that's called to fall on a generation. You're a domino that's called to fall on our community. You're a domino that's called to fall on our church. You're a domino that's called to fall in a hundred directions. And the impact of your life requires that you become a person who is brave enough to take a risk and live out of the creative call that God has put in your life to be a producer and not a consumer. And all of this ties into the fact that we have to be people who are living out of desire. Living out of desire. Uh, the desire that God has placed in you that is so deep, you can't get away from it. The thing that keeps you up at night, the thing you want to do that keeps you up at night, that's the thing that you have to give your whole life to. Um, it, it's desire that's on the inside that is not unlike a man's desire for his wife and a woman's desire for her husband. That's the kind of desire. And God's placed that in every person here. You might think, well, he hasn't placed that in me. He absolutely has. You, you may be deceived at this moment, but he has absolutely placed that in you because he wouldn't forsake any of his children. He just wouldn't. And, and some of us may be thinking, well, but I'm still afraid of desire. It's, left, it's led me in so many wrong directions in my life. I've given myself to desire and I ended up an alcoholic. <laughs> I gave myself a desire and I, I ended up with, with five women who weren't my, with my wife. and It's a nightmare. Well, the Bible says some awesome things about desire. And one of the awesome things it says about desire is in Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of his heart. Um, Psalm 37 4. This is one of the most interesting scriptures in all of the Bible, um, I love this. God is, actually, God is actually for you living from desire. And I know that because of Psalm 37, verse 4. He actually wants to give you the desires of your heart. He actually wants to give every single person in here the desires of their heart. The prerequisite is that you must take delight in Him. I think it's very interesting that Psalm 37, 4 doesn't say, Know God and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
You can know God and, and never walk in the desires of your heart. Lots of people know God. They never walk in the desires of their heart. Uh, it doesn't even say, obey God and he will give you the desires of your heart. That would really mess you up. There's a lot of people who are obeying God and have never walked in the desires of their heart. Tons of people who obey God all the time, live their life trying harder and harder and harder and harder to obey God. They never mess up hardly. And when they do, they quickly fix it. And they just obey God all the time. And they lay, 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 lay down on the floor every morning. And they say, God, I just want to obey you. I just want to obey you. I just want to obey you. And they never, ever, ever walk in their creative call or their destiny. And they never see the dreams of their heart fulfilled. They just become more and more worn out trying to obey God. How many of you know that you can obey someone without taking delight in them? <laughs> How many of you know that you can know someone but take zero delight in them? How many of you are thinking of people already? How many of you know that if you take delight in someone, you will obey them? And if you take delight in them, you will know them. It's entirely possible to obey something and not take delight, but it's impossible to take delight and not give your heart to God and what He says. And so in that way, delight becomes desire purification. It'll reform your heart to the point that God says, I will give that son anything he asks. He has taken delight in me. To delight in the Lord says that I get my joy from Him. That's what it says. It says, I don't look to other sources for my joy. I don't look for, to other sources for my comfort or, or for life. It says, I look to the Lord for life. I get my comfort. I get my joy from God. I take delight in Him. Uh, and this is what delight is. Delight is not just, it's not knowing God. Like lots of people know God like as a fact that He exists or that Jesus is the Son. You know what, you know what you call people who know, who know lots of facts about people they don't really know? Stalkers. <laughs> delight is a strange thing. Delight. Delight is a strange thing. Delight, delight knows and it approves of and says it's good. Delight is the wisdom that says, I can see God and I see that he's good. Regardless of what my circumstances are, regardless of what my history is, I can see God and I see that he's good and I'm able to take delight. You know what? You can't fake delight. You cannot fake delight. You can try. You cannot fake delight. Delight comes from the innocent portion of the heart. That thing not yet tainted by cynicism and disappointment. You cannot fake delight. And when a son or a daughter begins to take delight in the Lord, it, it purifies the heart to the point that God says, I will give that daughter anything she asks. Because she has seen that I am good. She hasn't just seen me, but she's seen that I am good. Lots of people see the Lord. They can't, they can't say that He's good.
Tell you what, I think we probably stirred up enough for today. We could go on, but I don't know how we're going to wrap that up. We'll talk about more of this next week. God is here, and I, I don't want to wreck it. <laughs>